sermon number 624, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, November 12, 1972. The topic of the sermon, What Are Your Goals? And the text is taken from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the 6th through the 15th verses. God's Word, the ideas that Jesus had concerning how we should live and how we should give. Today, hear the Word of God as we read from Paul's ideas of how we should live and how we should give. Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter, getting at the sixth verse. Remember this. The person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. Each one should give then as he has decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And God is able to give you more than you need, so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the poor. His kindness lasts forever. And God, who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat, will also supply you with all the seed you need and make it grow to produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will also make you rich enough to be generous at all times, so that many will thank God for your gifts to us. For this service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, but also produces an outpouring of grateful thanks to God. And because of the proof which this service of yours brings, Many will give glory to God for your loyalty to the gospel of Christ, which you profess, and for your generosity in sharing with them and all others. And so they will pray for you with great affection, for because of the extraordinary grace God has shown you, let us thank God for his priceless gift. I don't care where you read it in the Bible. You cannot help but come to the conclusion that we live in our Father's world. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and everything that dwells within. That's the idea of the psalmist. And any person who is thinking and sensitive and honest has to come to the realization that everything we have, everything, comes as a gift in the form of a loan from God. How richly God has blessed us when we realize that today we have another day of life. 
when we realize, looking around us, the person beside us that you can now touch, he or she loves you, and you love that person. When we look around us and see the family and the friends that God has given to us, the Church and the Savior, Jesus Christ, God's gift to us. When we look out at the parking lot and see the cars and realize the homes which we and the bank and the mortgage companies hold together, how blessed we are. God has given you and me much, Christian friends. It's humbling to realize that God has given us so much. And when you ask the question, why? Last week we tried to point up two answers, two distinctive, separate, but yet interrelated answers why God has given to you and to me so much. First of all, he has given us these things so we might live. God expects us, under his guidance, to use all the resources that he has given us to carve for ourselves a life that is constructive, a life that is genuine, a life that is creative, a life that is free and liberated and redeemed, a life that is fulfilled. That's why he's given us so much, so that we can live. I have come, said Jesus, that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. And Jesus also has told us that God has given to us, not only so that we might live, but also he trusts us, he believes in us. He thinks you and I have the potential and the power to use his gifts and to give them to other people. Just as many of the gifts that God has given to us have come down through people, the greatest messenger and challenge or channel that God has, the human network, so also God expects his gifts to come down through us as we give them to the world, with the hope that other people, many of them still unborn, can eventually come to the realization how blessed they are with the hope that they then will learn how to live and how to give so that still more folks can learn of their blessings and how to live and give. And when you begin to count the blessings we have, you realize that we have been given so much. We who sit in this church today, who live in this community, where the census takers and statistic finders claim that the average family income is $11,000 a year. When you realize the great earning power God has given to you and to me, plus all these other things, parties, friends, faith, 
to realize not only that we have been given much, but we have much to give. Now, we talked about these things last week and tried to point out that an individual, if he's ever going to find a true meaning of life, in the light of the resources God has given to him, he has got to learn both how to live and how to give, and these two must be interrelated. And the belief is that if you cannot live, you will not give, and if you do not give, it's because you're not living. So today we take the next step, and we come and wrestle with that very thorny problem. How much? How much of all the gifts that God has given to me? Do I need to live, and do I need to give? It's a very difficult problem. Many of us do not like to face it, but we'll never become real human beings until we become mature enough to wrestle with that question. There are those, and I agree with them, who say the way you come to the answer to that particular question, look through the Bible. Look through the Bible. And yes, here, having the Word of God, we do find instructions as to how we are to live. To live with the Spirit of Christ in us, so that we can say with Paul, it is not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And also we find in here how we are to give. Not only live, but also how to give. And of course we come to that particular teaching which many people like to argue, and which too few people follow, the concept of the tithe. And let's get it straight. The tithe is 10% of one's gross income. 10%. Let's see, $11,000 average family income, 10%, 550 families in Bakerstown Church. If all of our families were to tithe and give that tithe to this church, but $555,000. Little bit different than the 130000 that we anticipate this year. But that's what the Bible says about living and giving. Other people say the Bible helps, yes. But you can really not learn how to live and how to give until you look out at the world. You don't even look through the Bible only, but you look out at the world and you see all the misery and the suffering and the injustice. And when you see these things in the world and realize how blessed we are, and you realize that in the world you have the haves and the have-nots, and we are the fortunate people that have, dedicate your time, your talents, your energy, and your money alleviating those problems in life, and you will find how to live and how to give. Look 
in the Bible. Look out at the world. But I personally believe you're really not going to get much insight from the Bible or from the world with all of its problems until first, as individuals, we look inside ourselves and ask ourselves the very embarrassing question, what kind of a person do I want to become? In the light that all that God has given to me and how fortunate I am, what kind of a person do I want, or better yet, ought I to become? To put it another way, what are my goals in life? I don't think an individual really begins to live, nor can he give in proportion to what God has given him until he asks himself that question honestly and is able to look and wrestle with the answers. What are your goals in life? What are they? You know, you hear a lot about goals today. I don't care if it's in the political arena, sociological problems, trying to find a pattern of life for you and your family. We talk so much today about goals. Well, what are your goals? I'd like to remind you some things that you ought to know about goals. First of all, we ought to know that all of us have them. All of us have goals in our life. Of course, some of us are not conscious that we have them. Sometimes they're very seldom do we articulate what these goals are, but you have them. You do. I have them. The things that we fight for, believe in, work at, the things that we purchase with our earning power, these are our goals. How you allocate the resources which God has given to you in the form of time, energy, talents, money, personality. That allocation will give evidence to your goals. We all have goals. And even the person who said he says he has no goal, that is his goal. Everybody has goals. And secondly, we should understand quite clearly that we all have goals, not all goals will teach us how to live and how to give. No. Not all goals will teach us how to live and how to give. Unless your goals are bigger than yourself, it's not a goal that's going to help you to live and to find out how to give. Unless your goals in life have a concern for other people as well as for self, unless your goals has in them a belief for a better tomorrow, unless there is incorporated within your goals the idea that one life can help to make the world bigger and better and more beautiful and wonderful. 
then your goals are not big enough and you'll never live nor give to the potential that God has given unto you. So it behooves all of us, ladies and gentlemen, not only on Stewardship Sunday, but practically every day of the year, to look at ourselves and say and ask, are the goals that I have in life worthy of the blessings that I have been given in life? Are your goals that big? Thirdly, we should realize that no goal is ever reached without sacrifice. Sacrifice is a part of every goal. And the higher the goal, the greater the sacrifice. The bigger your dream, the bigger the sacrifice. If you believe that God has given to you some unique talent, a talent which you must develop if you're ever going to find meaning and happiness and fulfillment in your life, and that the world is going to be blessed if you can give that talent to them, you've got to make sacrifice. Sacrifice in the form of disciplined and in study and in rehearsal and in concentration and giving up many of the things that the other people in the world enjoy. Only then will you bring that talent to some perfection. If you have an ability, and I don't care if it is playing professional baseball or football or directing one of America's great companies, if you have an ability which has been given to you by God and you're going to use that ability to find a fulfillment in life and to give to the world what God has to offer through you, you can only do it when you make sacrifices. As many of you people know who are parents, if you're going to give your child an education which costs so much today, you can't do it unless you make sacrifices. If you, husbands and wives, are going to find the meaning of life by giving of yourself something more than just your body or physical flesh to your mate, you know you've got to make sacrifices. If you're going to help God to build a bigger and better world for you and for your children and grandchildren to live and to enjoy you've got to make sacrifices and there's no other way to do it there's no other way and sacrifice hurts ladies and gentlemen and anyone who feels that it does not <coughs> is not living nor giving enough But it's strange, when we're willing to make sacrifice, and I mean big sacrifice, things begin to happen. Our goals begin to have a confidence in us and for us. Not only that, values become clarified. And more than that, priorities are established and we suddenly begin to realize that in the light of our goals, there are some things more important in life than other things, 
and sacrifices then, though they still hurt, are not looked upon as something that we give away, but rather as opportunities of fulfilling our goals. And when you follow this far enough, it comes down even to the place where you really don't have any guilt feelings nor any great decision to make when you come upon the idea, selfishly, you're going to paint the kitchen again a different color this year, or whether you're going to give $100 to the church or some worthy project to fulfill your goals of love and service. Priorities established. Goals, you see, set them. And then you have an evaluation process to decide what's most important in my life. What are you sacrificing for your dreams or goals? Demand sacrifice, you know. And then something that we seldom forget and most every time misunderstand. Goals are best and most easily met when we have help. Yes. Especially is this true in the situation of the family. Goals are most easily met when we have help. When father and mother, husband and wife, they come together to form a new union called a new family here on earth. They bring to that union their own set of values, their own individual goals. And unless they mutually can agree upon a common goal for their life together as husband and wife and try to eternal, internalize those goals in the life of their children, that family is going to be in trouble. And the goals will never be reached. But a family that has solidarity and support and where husband and wife and, yes, children realize that there are goals and to meet those goals, sacrifices are going to have to be made, then you see you don't get into big problems and a big argument and disappointment as to what kind of car you're going to buy or what kind of house you're going to live in or what kind of a vacation you're going to go on or what you're going to give to the church. That is decided by your list of priorities, which must support your goals. It's important that the family, you see, sits down together and discusses this as to what is our family goal. By the way, it helps you to decide what clothes you're going to wear, what food you're going to eat, what schools you're going to send your children to, how you're going to live and give. Secondly, I think we need all the help we can get from such things as budgets. Yes. I don't know how people can live fully and give fully without some idea of proportionate living and giving. Where a family decides, not once a year, but maybe on a weekly basis or at least a monthly basis, how much they're going to keep in percentage in order to live and how much they're going to give in percentage to the church and to other organizations that are trying to make God's world beautiful. And unless you figure this out and give and live proportionately and regularly on some basis, it's not going to happen. And ladies and gentlemen, you're never really going to live 
fully nor give fully until you are willing to be challenged by other people who want to help you as they help themselves to wrestle with the problems of what I can give and how much I need to live. I'm looking at this very moment at some people in this church who today are living fuller lives and giving more than they've ever given before simply because somebody had the courage to challenge them to check their goals and to challenge them and asking them to see whether or not their goals for living and giving are big enough. The reason I'm preaching this sermon and these series, or this particular series, is not as a pastor who's trying to raise money for a budget. I know that's what I'm accused of, but I'm trying as a friend to try and challenge you to live and to give to the potential which God has blessed you. This afternoon, some people from this church, your friends, are going to go into 150 homes of this congregation, approximately a third of the homes of this church parish. Now you're going to think that they are coming to ask you for money. Let me say they're not nearly as anxious to go into your home as you are to have them. But they're going. They're going because they have been challenged and they have been asked to challenge you as Christian friends to examine your goals. They're not asking just for money, they're asking for far more. They're asking that within the next two weeks, you, together with the members of your family, you sit down, you discuss, you confront that particular question, what are my goals in life? And then they're going to ask you to try and come to a decision, which every man and woman must come to individually, are those goals reflective enough of all that God has given to me? Will they suffice to help me to live and to give as God expects? We don't want you to give out of a sense of duty, nor with a feeling of regret. We want you to give from a glad heart. For those people who are going out this afternoon, I'd like, please, if you'd come forward to have a word of prayer with you on this particular program of challenge, which comes not only to you or through you. Please come forward. We're a little late. The radio broadcast has ended. I was hoping that perhaps it would so that we could do this within the family here at Bakerstown Church. Now these people, they're going out into the homes of 150 families this afternoon. Remember they are coming because they have been challenged. And they're coming not to hear your gripes or complaints, so if you want to give them, fine. But they're coming to challenge you as God's friend and as their friend to try and get you to live more, 
to give them. Please receive them. Please understand what they're trying to do, because they're doing it in their own lives as well. And then two weeks from today, when we have our celebration of living and giving here in this church, when ten days from now you will receive a letter in the mail together with a pledge card of what in faith you hope to do in living and giving next year. We want you to bring those pledge cards. We don't want them mailed in. We want you to bring them two weeks from today. At the end of the service, we're going to have a celebration of dedicating our lives anew to greater living and greater giving. On behalf of the leadership of this church, I want to thank you people, and I want to pray with all of us. Father, you've given us so much, so much that at times we're in question how much we need to live and how much we can give. In these days, as we wrestle with our conscience, as we wrestle with our words, as we wrestle with your words, as we wrestle to become truly people who are living and giving to the greatest amount, Lord, be with us and lead us and guide us and challenge us. And now, people, may not only the God who created you bless you, but may the goals which you have in life bless you as well. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.